Welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, this show where we talk about and watch and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. Back again this week, it's me, Chris, here with Patrick. Hi, Chris. Good to be here. And Stephen. Hi, Chris and Patrick. Good to see you both. Hello, Stephen. Good to see you as well. And it's uh, it's a good day today. We're, we're back on our alphabetical order bullshit. But before we get started with this week's movie, something I want to talk about. I'm nervous. <laughs> I saw the motion picture. What the fuck was its name? The Prodigy. The, the Prodigy. Oh, the prodigy. I saw The Prodigy. How is this it? weekend? Uh, it's. I give it a cue. It. It had its moments, but the reason I'm talking about it on this show is because it's actually from the director of At the Devil's Door. No way. Yeah. I didn't know. How did I not know that? I don't know. I didn't know it either. Uh, but I looked it up, and yeah, and it's funny because it, it, it I, without getting the spoilers, it pissed me off for one of the same reasons At the Devil's Door pissed me off. They both have creepy kids in them, yeah. and I thought they both pulled their punches a little bit at the end with the, with the creepy kid and, and what happens to him or, or doesn't happen to him. I have no interest. I'm not into the creepy kid thing. I feel like it's been done to death. I'm not sure what else you could do with it. Well, There's he, a- here's the thing. Chris... <laughs> <laughs> Chris went to see this movie the other night. Then he got on G Chat the next day, and he's like, "I'm going to tell you the whole story of the movie." I adapted it for G Chat. He adapted it for G Chat in the course of it took you like an hour. I wasn't Maybe counting. It was it was an hour, which I mean, great, really saved me time because it's shorter than the runtime of the actual movie. But the basic concept of the Prodigy sounds fucking bonkers and potentially cool. Like a madman dies and just gets inexplicably re- reincarnated in the body of a creepy kid well it's chucky yeah basically Child's play. yeah but there, there's a, a but there's a push and plot yeah a, but there's also a kid in it and the doll acts like a creepy kid would in a creepy kid movie but there's like a split personality thing too uh, where okay. it's like sometimes it's normal kid sometimes it's creepy kid but, but it sounds like the movie kind of shits the bed it, from there. But I like the basic concept. It had some really good scenes. It had some really good scenes. had some really good suspense in parts. But it's a cue. If you're not into creepy kids, you're not going to be into this movie. It's not going to upset the apple cart. I mean, here's the thing. Is there any one of these like sort of cliched genres that you would say you are into? You know, they all require some innovation. To make them interesting. Sure, and I there are not there are not a lot of movies I like that I think can easily fit into one of those genres. Like right. I'm talking like creepy kids or exorcism movies. We get like one or two of those a year. Also a yeah. TV series that's in its third or fourth season now. You know, like these things. It's just like the the genre exists because one movie did it like perfectly. Right, and. Studios and and writers are you know still trying to replicate the success of that. If the entire it's, movie's reason to exist is just to be the latest entry in that particular genre or that particular trope, that's the problem. Like if said, it doesn't exist, if it if its main reason isn't to you know first and foremost uh, communicate some sort of idea or thesis statement or um, create some sort of interesting character and is instead just like it's a creepy kid movie. Then that's the problem. I haven't had one of those in a while. Well, right. I mean, here's a movie that does it well: The Babadook. 
that's like one of the only ones in the modern era I can think of that is like a good creepy kid movie because it's also like is it's it about creep- something. Is the it point a- isn't for it to be a creepy is kid. Is it a movie. creepy kid? I don't know if the kid in the Babadook's necessarily well, a creepy. He's kid. not like creepy in the way that he's 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 an obnoxious oh, kid movie. I found him to be a very alarming and like frightening presence. Yeah. Um, okay, well, <laughs> I knew Cargo was going to come up. That said, creepy kid movie I really want to see, Hole in the Ground. Have you guys heard about this? I no. think it, I've been hearing about it for a while, and it was a big hit at Sundance. I think it's going to come out soon. I don't know what it's about on a larger scale, but the concept just, like, and it seems like it's very artfully shot. It's like mother, like single mother and her boy living out in the woods, he goes out to play in the woods and plays around in this hole in the woods and comes back and he's completely different. She can't figure out what's wrong with him. It's like Christmas Horror Story. When the, when the, the boy gets lost in the orchard or, or in the forest and they gets replaced with the changeling. Oh my god, yeah, you're right. I barely yeah. remembered that. That was the oh, best shit. part of that I movie. About that well, I too. hope this movie is scarier than that. That was terrifying. You were you were terrified more so than I was in Terrifier. <laughs> that was a that was a solid segment. Are yeah. you looking up hole in the ground? Yeah, I, I thought I remembered that the kid from Cirque du Freak. I thought I saw in his biography that he was in that movie, but I'm mixing it up. With I think something he was in. Else. He was probably in the hole. Oh, the hole. Yes. Okay. The uh, um, yep. uh, what's his name movie? The guy who did Gremlins. Joe Dante? Uh, Joe Dante, the Joe Dante movie. Oh, I it was either Joe Dante this. or John Landis. I can't remember which one. They're like the same person. Yeah, it's Joe Dante. Except one of them killed Vic Morrow and one didn't. And one had an <laughs> asshole kid and one didn't. Well, this sounds fun. Have you seen this movie? The Hole? Yeah. No, but I, I've heard it's actually really good. Yeah. And there's a version of it. Like There's like a, if you, ha- well, none of us has a 3D TV, but there is like a 3D Blu ray of it. Go to Greg Allen's house. We, yeah, we know a guy with a 3D TV. All right, let's see if we can convince him to watch The Hole. Double feature, The Hole and Prometheus. No! (laughs) Yeah, fuck Prometheus. Prometheus is a hole I do not want to wind up again in my life if I can help it. All right, well, let's talk about what we watched this week. Uh, You mentioned it. We watched Cirque du Freak, The Vampire's Assistant. Pretty unwieldy title, I would say, especially Mm. for a children's film. There's a colon in it. Yep. But Cirque du Freak just doesn't roll off the tongue like would would okay would like the nine-year-old that's supposed to that this movie is targeted toward know what like that means or maybe they've heard of Cirque du Soleil possibly yeah I mean that's <laughs> I was kind of confused that's my question is there supposed to be name brand recognition here you know like is this really that popular that it's going to sell solely on the basis of the Cirque du Freak title I don't know. I've met people in the last week who, uh, you know, at people at work and friends always ask me what shitty movie we're watching this week. And two of them remembered this film and read the books or knew wow. someone who had. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. So right. they were quite popular. Huh. If I've, I'm so disconnected from the young adult slash youth fiction world that i don't really know what kind of name brand recognition there was on this especially not in 2009 speaking of slash fiction if i can throw this in here did anybody pick up on some homoerotic subtones in this film no but i can't wait to get into that in a little bit it was just a general feeling i had i don't know the particular moments might pop to mind as we're talking about it all right that's interesting so i felt it was erotically charged okay Oh, there's definitely some erotic charge in certain scenes. But they must have thought there was an audience for this movie because this is actually like a high budget movie, you know? Almost $40 million. Is it? Yeah. 
it's by far, unless I'm forgetting something obvious, the most expensive movie we've watched on this show. Really? It, right? Yeah, it's more expensive than Spawn. That was the oh, first one that came to mind. Okay, I forgot about Spawn. Yeah. Yeah, I think you might be right. It doesn't always look like it. It did feel pretty cheap in a lot of places, but but it looks maybe like a because movie. yeah, it looks like a real movie. I, I guess the cheapness I'm referring to is spawned from a lack of imagination. Mm. A lot of the sets look pretty generic. Like some of the CG looks like shit. I mean, that fucking spider. The spider looks fine for what oh. it needs to be. Okay, I mean, it's so a, it's you a, had a problem with the CG in Jason X. Like yeah. all the CG in Jason X was better than that spider for damn sure. That's a lie. It's I a, expect it's a little more realism in Jason X than I did out of this film. It's a fantasy. Yeah, I assume the spider was supposed to look kind of cartoony, like it didn't exactly belong in the world. It did look cartoony, but that was it was surprising for me to watch this movie where it looks like a movie. We have several name actors, additional actors that you might even recognize. And Let's run them down. We've got John C. Riley as a vampire. John C. Riley, who is easy to underrate him. He's he's an amazing actor, but he he is often seen in projects that are dumb. Yeah, I mean, he does <laughs> yeah. a lot of kind of slapstick comedy. Yeah, uh, we've got Selma Hayek, Selma very underserved. The problem with most of these people is they're underused. I guess the assumption was let's introduce all these characters from the book and then we'll develop them in the sequels that we will surely make enough money off of this to make. Mm-hmm. Um, Orlando Jones plays a character. He was still oh, yeah. kind of big around, you know, the late 2000s. Kristen Shaw. Willem Dafoe. Oh, yeah, God. I keep uh, forgetting about him as John Waters, basically. What's, what's <laughs> her name from 30 Rock? Um, um, Jane Krakowski. Jane Krakowski. Yeah. yeah. Frankie Faison, Faison, who was in The Silence of the Lambs. Well, all the Hannibal movies. Ken Watanabe. Watanabe, yeah. Watanabe? Yeah. I've never heard his name said before. Yeah. Yeah. Great cast. I mean, really, like, if you look at if you look at it objectively, it's a great list of actors. But <laughs> but you'll see most of these people, with the exception of John C. Riley, for no more than four minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. That's true. But it was still fun to see people that I recognize. This is a movie I really would have liked when I was little, but I'm not sure what the audience for this movie is um, because it's not quite like a family movie like the Goosebumps movie. It's PG-13. There's some swearing. There's some violence. People say shit for no reason. There's some knife fights. Um, it's a, maybe a little bit scarier than you would go in a, in a family film, maybe. It's really tonally inconsistent, too. I couldn't really figure out what this movie was. Like, at times, it seems like it wants to go for, like, the straight sort of dark horror fantasy vibe. And then there are other times where it felt like like, even the young leads were behaving as if they were younger than they are. Mm -hmm. Like, it seemed like a straight-up children's film for quite a while. Like a... Yeah, and it vacillates between, like, very dopey comedy and, you know, these, like you said, sort of those gothic horror elements. I don't know. It just just shifts really wildly from scene to scene sometimes. Yeah. We're dealing with high schoolers. Those are our our main characters in high school, his best friends in high school. They make a big deal about how they're best friends. That's where, like, like, some of the homoerotic uh, charge came to for me. Because, like, there's a lot of, like, um, there's there's a lot of broiness to their friendship. But there's also a lot of jealousy. Like, one of them, uh, Josh Josh Hutcherson's character, gets our protagonist in trouble. And they're no longer, they're, like, the term is, uh, they're secret best friends now. Right. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like they've had to relegate their friendship to the closet. (laughs) You know, that's, that's actually interesting. I see what you're saying with that this could be like the nightmare on elm street 2 of young adult adaptations i'd have to look at it again i kind of want to rewatch it again 
with that in mind. Wow. That actually makes a lot of sense. Let's talk more about that later. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should set up the, the basic premise of the movie, though. We have a, a, a kid named Josh, right? No, his no. name is Darren. Darren. And Darren's oh, right. the same and as the author. author. Yeah, because it's the same as the author. Right, which is interesting, because it's based on a series of books. The protagonist is Darren Shan. The author is Darren Shan. I assume the books are written in first person. Were these books written by a teen, like the Aragon books? No, I think it's just one guy. So. Okay. At least one guy. No, a teen. Oh, no, no, Because no, no, wasn't no. Aragon written by, like, an 11-year-old? Yeah, it yeah. was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's just Damn a weird, him. like, Irish dude, I think. Yeah. Um, and this is a 12-book series, that should also 12 be noted. 12-book series. And apparently series. the books are quite dark. Are they? From from what I've heard, yeah. Like, more this so movie, than this movie? Th- they don't feature, like, any of the comedy that this movie has in it, from what uh, I understand. Yeah, hmm. none of the crappy vampire puns. Hmm. Well, we'll get into those, I'm sure. <laughs> well, from what I understand, this movie kind of compiles the stories of the first two books into one movie. So it's the opposite of what Peter Jackson would have done with this. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we have uh, Shan. What's his name? Darren. Darren. Darren Shan. Darren Shan is our hero. He's in high school. Not to be confused with Darren Lynn Bowsman. Oh, God. I'm not a great Darren. I wish he had directed this. Um, <laughs> and his best friend, Steve, who, yeah, quickly becomes his secret best friend because he's a delinquent of sorts. One night they go to a freak show and meet a whole bunch of freaks, including a real life vampire. An illegal freak show. Yeah, that, that in this is world, mentioned. It is illegal to, <laughs> to be have a freak. freak show. It's just a local ordinance, I think. But <laughs> that was fun. And uh it basically uh Darren Steve gets in trouble, gets uh, in the hospital. Darren has to make a deal with the vampire to save his life, so he becomes a half vampire's vampire. Assistant. A half vampire, the titular vampire's assistant. And then eventually Steve becomes a vampire and uh you know it's you got the darren's getting acquainted with the freak world learning how to be a vampire and then there's a generational conflict with another sect of vampires called the vampanese that is playing out while Which, all this is going on i didn't understand what the fuck was up with that the entire movie the I, vampanese I mean, like actually had to kill their this. victims yeah chris explained this to me before and I, I the movie did not sufficiently explain this to me but maybe i just wasn't no. like paying enough attention i don't know there's yeah it's it's convoluted i mean i got it but i definitely had to refresh my memory before talking about it there's a lot going on here and that's one of my problems with the movie the vampanese are what you think of when you think of vampires mm-hmm. they're scary they're the they, og vampires. they bite you on the neck they kill you they do all that stuff there's a lot of time where john c Riley explains that the vampire that they are is more docile and gentle and doesn't have quite the same powers and doesn't pe- bite people on the neck and is kind of a watered down vampire and, and they don't turn they have the power to not turn their victims into vampires themselves that was a big right. thing yeah but they can turn them into a half vampire like darren right so he can flit, which I don't know if that that <laughs> name is made up for this. Uh, I flitted here, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed the uh, the wash of painterly colors as you entered the door. <laughs> we they can fast this travel. flitting shit because it is insane. <laughs> they fast travel. I mean, they yeah, they flash around. There's this kind of just blur of colors that like billows out behind them as they do so, and it looks fucking stupid. 
I thought it was fine. I didn't really? have much of a problem with it. <laughs> but I thought it looked so dumb. I think the reason that you're having so much trouble like understanding the Vampanese or whatever, there's so much going on in this movie, and it's pissing me off. I, I think I said in the last episode, I was making fun of the whole concept of movies that ri- race into franchise building in the first installment. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and see, here's, here's my complaint with this. Uh, with a few exceptions, maybe, I don't think any first installment of anything should have a colon in the title basically like this ba- based on that title you're kind of made to feel as though there's an existing series that surrounds this as though mm-hmm. you may be watching like part two or part three and something and the entire movie feels that way too it kind of expects you to already know and appreciate and be familiar with this world and so even when that exposition that you guys are talking about comes in for me it felt like too little too late where like some of these concepts had already been introduced and you're kind of expected to go into it already knowing i guess from a book or whatever like what you know a vampanese is i just that was the overarching feeling for me through this whole movie was that i had been like dropped into something that i didn't have Mm -hmm. sufficient context to understand or appreciate what all was going on you know there were all these moving parts well i think that colon might be there so that they can get the name recognition of cirque du freak oh of course but if you've never heard of cirque du freak they can still say well, it's about the vampire's assistant, and maybe that will pique your curiosity. Oh, yeah. the poster emphasizes the vampire's assistant, and Cirque du Freak is in tiny font, because okay. that's like a mm. more marketable title. Mm-hmm. I guess there's nothing exciting to me about a vampire's assistant. I want to learn more about the vampire. Well, he doesn't, this is beside the point, but he doesn't seem to do that much assisting no. to the vampire <laughs> no. in the whole movie. It seems like the vampire assists him more often than not. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a lot going on, and I really would have preferred this movie to be a more wa- like boiled down. There's some really good drama with with Darren and Steve. That's a great emotional thing. Steve is about to die, so Darren makes a deal to become a half vampire to save his life. But did I say that the right way? Mm-hmm. Steve's about to die. Darren becomes the half yep. vampire. But Steve has always wanted to be a vampire, so when he wakes up from his coma, he's pissed off, and then he becomes a bad vampire. So yeah, that's another one of my fucking like favorite lines is in the voiceover where Darren's like, "I'm really into spiders." Steve's really into vampires. Oh, I know. Right. It's so that's about stupid. all we know about these two characters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if he had had the option to become a spider, um, there'd be no drama. <laughs> but you have that conflict and that's like that's great that's some like greek tragedy shit like just give me that story but they're so concerned with building this world that there's so much other shit going on that you can't it's hard to keep it all straight there's three different movies here there's the story of their crumbling friendship and trying to bring it back together there's the freak show and then there's the vampire stuff right and i felt like this movie was sort of built in three long stages it takes forever to get off the ground it's like a half hour before we see the titular freak show it, mm-hmm. It's all there, like it's like Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. Like mm-hmm. it's all there because they want to lay this groundwork for the other five or nine movies that they plan to make. Mm-hmm. And spoiler, there are no sequels. And like I, you can even tell watching it, like, well, if I find any of these characters interesting, especially like the tertiary or background characters, I'm gonna have to wait until the next movie to really see them do anything. Mm-hmm. And the irony of that approach is you almost always shoot yourself in the foot and deny yourself the opportunity to make more sequels when you go so hard towards chasing the franchise in your first one that you compromise your whole project and make a shitty movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are just so many tertiary characters 
uh, introduced as members of the freak show like when he when they go to the freak show for the first time it goes on and on and on with them bringing in more and more and more freak show characters and like you know we just rattled off the list of some of these co-stars you know they're not insignificant actors um who they hire who they engage to play these parts and you know they're barely there for 30 seconds you know Kristen Schaal showed back up kind of late in the movie and I had forgotten what the fuck her like gimmick even was or what her personality she was she's the one with the teeth yeah, yeah. she bites yeah. things yeah. she's like Jaws the yeah, no, Bond villain that's her thing but by that point I had already like forgotten who she was yeah. or why I should even care other than that she's kind of just doing her standard like Kristen Schaal Kristen Schaal shtick that she does on Say Flight of the Concords yeah Kristen Schaal shtick that she does on Flight of the Concords and 30 Rock and whatever else I don't know. It's it's very oh, very overstuffed, overstuffed and also underwhelming. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's like, I mean, <laughs> we're getting ahead of ourselves, but like the climax to this is the most underwhelming fucking thing imaginable. Oh yeah, we'll talk know? about that in the spoiler room. Like, I have a lot to say about yeah. that. Like, I mean, it seems to be kicking off some kind of interesting shit when you know he gets transformed into a vampire, becomes a vampire's assistant, and then the second act just sags like a motherfucker. The third act is. Oh yeah, it's like I was thinking about. I was thinking about other franchises that have a lot of shit to do, and then like so I'm thinking about like Star Wars, where like Star Wars set up a lot of shit, and Star Wars: A New Hope probably more shit than this movie sets up. Maybe not, but like the story of Star Wars was fairly simple, Mm -hmm. and it relied on some like archetypes and some stuff everyone could recognize, and then you know. They didn't introduce, like, the larger political world and the Emperor and Darth Vader being Luke Skywalker's father until the second movie, once you got your handle on the basic premise. It was just a, a good, feel-good, inspirational, farm boy's gonna go blow up the Death Star. And it fucking ends. And it ends. And like, it's there's a, no... There are real, there are no loose ends it's a in the original film. Star Wars. It's a standalone film. Make yeah. a solid standalone film and then build the franchise off of it. I mean, The Matrix is the same way. But the thing that... This movie... Like, when you're doing something so complex, the fact that the vampires aren't actually what we understand as vampires and they have to explain that to us is just a complete misstep because not only are you setting up all this... When when you when you're setting up a world that's this complex, you need, like, tropes that we're familiar with to make it an easier load. You mm-hmm, know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, if they told me this guy's a vampire now we're done like i know what a vampire is mm-hmm. you know you can show me a couple things where he's like learning to drink blood in like a montage and i'll say that's <laughs> cute but they have to say no he's a vampire but he's actually a half vampire and by the way he, the vampires are actually not at all the vampires you're used to and his main ability is going to be like moving really fast right i mean i guess they the premise sort of hinges on the assumption that we know what a vampire is, but I still think it just throws us into the deep end way too quickly with the, the larger world shit this movie's trying to tackle or set up at least. Well, there are so many fucking weird ass powers that these vampires have too. Like the number one that I just literally guffawed when they said this was, yeah, vampires can breathe a gas that knocks out humans. Like John C. Riley just breathes oh, yeah. in some dude's face and he like passes out. I, I just I just laughed aloud. And it's they have so the, fucking the stupid. medicinal saliva where they can lick their wounds and they heal oh, like yeah. Wolverine. Right, right. Just absurd. If I were oh, watching really long this, fingernails also that can like shave the bark off. Oh trees. yeah, their main weapon is their fingernails. Yeah. Uh, but if I were watching this movie as like a ten year old, ten year old me, ten year old Chris, 
who was obsessed with vampires. I was probably a vampire for Halloween in like second, third grade. Like, oh, I definitely was. Too. Yeah, um, love vampires, love Dracula, loved all that stuff. If I watched a movie called The Vampire's Assistant and you give me John C. Riley as like a, the most watered down version of a vampire I've ever seen in my life, I'd be like, fuck this shit. I'm going back to watch mm. Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I feel like a lot of those powers I was just talking about are like just prime 10 year old material you know like a 10 year old be like yeah vampires do breathe the gas that knocks out humans it sounds like something a 10 year old would come up with it's like twilight a teen wrote the book like this is my this is my vampire i made and he has lots of powers and one of them is he he breathes the gas and uh, if he breathes on you he'll you pass out i think 10 year olds are smarter than you think (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean maybe more like a seven year old or something i don't know can we talk about John C. Riley? Yes, yeah. please. You know, Chris just said as the most watered down version of a vampire imaginable, but John C. Riley is also playing the most watered down version of John C. Riley imaginable oh, in this movie. Completely checked out of yeah. this movie. He has zero charisma. Yeah. What's odd to me as well is his physical appearance. It seems like they tried to de-age him slightly with makeup. And they mm. colored his hair, and he's got this kind of like wispy sort of rock and roll star hair. Mm-hmm. I was extremely put off by him, and I'm a I'm like John C. Riley's number one fan. I love this we, guy. We should say while, while you're making that point, we're not we're not adding dramatic music to emphasize your point. If you can hear any of that, it's coming through the walls of, of Patrick's apartment building. Someone's listening to like Hans Zimmer's greatest hits yeah, on the it's, stereo. It's the club downstairs. But yeah, um, it's actually the Cirque du Freak warming up for the night. Yes, <laughs> yeah, we're going down it's, to see them right it's, after uh, this. Um, Fuck, it's Serpentine rehearsing next door. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, the Snake Boy. Yeah. The uh, Snake Boy. Another weirdly underdeveloped character that was sort of treated as though we were supposed to care about him. I forgot about him. Yeah, he Patrick like, Fugit. Like I love Patrick Fugit. What is he doing in this movie? I don't know. That name is familiar to me. What do I know him He's from? He's the, the kid in um, Almost Famous. Oh. He's in Save. Right. And, okay. I don't remember what else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, it's probably more fun. Let's just, you know, you can, on your own time, imagine some Cirque du Freak stories that involve all these sad characters. Right. I mean, like, each of these characters is potentially, like, kind of a movie in and of themselves. Like, the Snake Boy, what a weird concept. Like, this kid who's, like, trying to start a fucking rock band, he's a snake. I don't know. Actually, no, that's fucking stupid. He's a snake person. (laughs) He has a pet snake who he may or may not have an intimate relationship with. Right. But John C. Riley, though, like, why cast John C. Riley of all people for I this role? Search me if you can't figure out whether he's going to be kind of like dopey, quirky John C. Riley, or if he's gonna. I, I mean, yeah, I guess that's kind of the John C. Riley archetype. But he's not like this character is supposed to be kind of like suave, but also yeah. removed. Yeah, well, he's not the guy for the job. I've never no. seen him play a role that that approached this kind of character before let alone a fucking vampire yeah does make a weird stuff i'm reading the darren shan wiki right now trying to figure out if you know what happened to evra von the snake boy if if he had like his own movie and his own story arc i'm very interested in where they were going to go with that it seems like he's just a side character though through the entire series See, yeah. I like to imagine him starting his own like freak school of rock, a la the Jack Black movie. <laughs> that would be great. 
I mean, yeah, dude. A bunch of those little like Jawas fucking playing guitars <laughs> in the background. I'm surprised this movie didn't feature that as a post credit sequence. <laughs> Can we also talk about the Jawas? What the fuck was going on with the Jawas? There's these little weird ass like lizardy looking creatures who walk around on two legs and wear little robes. They're like two feet tall. Yeah. Well, I mean, we kind of have to talk about in the spoiler room. We may, I, yeah, we may that's have true. an answer. Yeah, because we, the yeah. ultimate like quasi explanation is so fucking bizarre. But those things were weird. I mean, they were a little cute too. This kind of reminds me of our discussion of like whenever we talk about kind of superhero movies or, or any sort of big franchise that like wants us to care about the big like end of days conflict. Like there's this this like generational struggle between the vampires and the vampanese and there's a war starting in this movie and like that's what they want us to give a shit about and right. we're like longing for like some genre movie where the snake boy starts a band with his other you know snake people yeah i needed like your standard boilerplate like opening voiceover with a little animation that was like you know for centuries the vampanese who are the blah 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 have warred against the blah 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 now I, Darren Shan, am you just at wanted the to watch center Spawn. of this struggle. Yeah, basically. <laughs> basically. Yeah. Yeah. I just want, I needed that little that little primer. No, I don't get, I mean, the, the, the story there is, so there's this guy, Mr. Tiny, who is like, yeah. he's like a fixer in the freak world. And I guess he wants to start a war between the vampires and the vampanese. Can't tell why. He just likes doing stuff like that, I guess. And we don't really know, like who he actually is or what his powers are because at one point he rattles off a list of powers and says like if i could do any of that stuff and it's like but why did you just try to trick us into thinking you could and like what can you do i presume it's something where like it's kind of aimed at fans of the books like you you do know his powers if you've read all 12 books but to us the uninitiated it doesn't make a fucking bit of sense Mm mm-hmm another speaking of mr tiny another actor who's like wildly out of place in this whole thing like i looked up this dude i think his name is michael cerveris or something and he's a really acclaimed um stage actor who has been in all kinds of broadway productions he's played like hedwig and hedwig and the angry inch and sweeney he played hedwig yeah i assume he's under a lot of makeup and prosthetics in this movie yeah i mean yeah because he's he's very rotund in this movie i'm not sure what his like normal physique is okay but yeah another very accomplished actor and i would i mean especially because all three of those roles are so different from one another i would be fascinated to have seen him as hedwig or sweeney todd or whatever something i did like i thought that the movie was kind of funny i laughed out loud a couple times i really thought these are chris jokes chris is gonna (laughs) like this (laughs) i forget what i laughed at but there was stuff where i was like okay that's cute okay that's funny there's a lot of really stupid vampire puns like um like, I'm going to go hit the pine. <laughs> like, when he goes oh. off to bed. I don't remember if it was the kid or John C. Riley who says that. It's probably John C. Riley, yeah. and then he probably wrote that. He probably improv that, probably. probably. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of, like, like this sucks or this bites kind of humor. Mm-hmm. Like, easy vampire puns. Well, uh, but the, the do little, you remember anything you laughed at? Little, I don't. I can't remember. I mean, like I remember when they get the flyer for the Cirque du Freak, and the teacher is like, "That's this is illegal." Yes, I laughed a lot of that too. That's and funny. I don't know if it was supposed to be funny or not. I don't know either. I think so. I mean, he's definitely like portrayed as like a square, and then they have there's actually the mob that comes in and closes down the Cirque du mm-hmm. Freak early on. It's the school teacher and like a bunch of their flat, you know, people, and, and it's clear that like they're just being driven out town because they're different even though they put up a legal pretense in front of it which you know i don't know there were some interesting attempts at like a a 
theme about diversity and and stuff like that and and embracing outsiders embracing outsiders and and people who are different than you um yeah the thing is like our protagonist well at one point he says i'm a half vampire but i'm normal like but like from the beginning of the movie we're supposed to believe he's weird solely based on the fact that he likes spiders like there's nothing else at all unusual about him who doesn't i actually for one love spiders yeah and i mean surprise I'm weird, though i mean surprise surprise like he's a handsome young white man well yeah that's the interesting thing because for a movie that has makes so much of diversity outside of the freak show there's no diversity in this movie no you know well, and, 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 i mean there is well wait what do you mean Outside of the members of the freak show, everybody's like white and beautiful. Yeah. Oh, outside the freak and show. Yeah I, yeah. I was thinking maybe that's intentional. Maybe it's showing that he lives in this very white bread world and here's yeah. a here's a here's a world of, of ethnic flavor <laughs> you know, so, can like yeah. be become guess, immersed in. But I don't know. I don't like that. I guess my point is that like most of the quote unquote freaks have some sort of physical deformity and you know, there's nothing that really makes him an outsider. No, except that, that he doesn't would want cause to go society along. to like look down on him the way it does on like the girl with the monkey tail, or you know the dude with the huge head, or the guy whose like stomach is exposed, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, he really doesn't fit in there. No, he doesn't fit in there, but he he doesn't fit in in the like the normal human world either. Only in the sense that he doesn't want to do what his parents want him to do. There's that lecture uh, where his dad keeps such a weird scene. I know college job family that was fun that was funny i like that but then he plays his dad like it switches over to him playing his dad and reading those same lines it's another thing that just like the the tone of that is so weird it comes out of nowhere and i mean it actually feels sort of unique it has a distinct flavor to it but nothing else really has that flavor you Mm -hmm. know there are a few moments there are like it's a pretty blandly shot movie too but there are like some like stray kind of creative scenes like i don't know there's a scene where like we haven't even mentioned octa yet the spider i mean we like briefly yeah we talked about the cgi but like octa plays like a fairly big role in the early part of this film and like the re like so josh hutcherson's character gets bits on the face gets bit on the face because darren steals octa from john c Riley. octa escapes in the school and there's a scene that like follows the spider like going like up the wall and onto the ceiling and the camera kind of follows oh, us yeah. upside down like viewing the chaos below there's like little touches like that where this movie actually has a personality but they're mm-hmm. few and far between that scene certainly inspired the memorable slapstick sequence in spider-man into the spider-verse <laughs> at the school <laughs> yeah clearly an influence clearly an influence this is a landmark film <laughs> in many ways can we talk about our star because we talked about basically every other actor yeah in this thing our quote-unquote star god damn is he fucking lifeless he's like, so bland he's beautiful he's a gorgeous boy but my god he doesn't even i don't think he has a personality i think he was born no. without one it's especially puzzling because in a movie that clearly didn't have a budget problem you know they didn't have a problem hiring presumably just about whatever actor they wanted for all these other roles that they couldn't come up with a better actor than this kid for the lead role right i mean god knows how many kids they audition for this and like josh hutcherson is fine i mean as fine as he ever is yeah weird seeing him play like a straight-up villainous role though like usually he's kind of just a dopey sweetheart i'm just continue i don't know we'll have to get into the spoiler room i guess to talk about that but i'm 
just really upset at kind of the mishandling of that storyline because I thought that had a lot of potential. I liked seeing Steve and Darren. That was the emotional meat of the movie for me. Steve was in the coma. The coma was Darren's fault. Darren or Steve wanted to be a vampire. Darren had to become a vampire in his place to save his life. That's actually something else I didn't like though because they kind of throw a chosen one thing in on Darren where like he became a vampire because he was destined to be a vampire or something and his blood like he has to taste the blood to see if he would make a good vampire and like Steve was not destined to be a vampire for completely arbitrary reasons. Yeah, but he's the so, vampire obsessive. Yeah. It seems like it should have been him. Sad story. Good exchange late in the movie where Darren's like, I became a vampire to save your life and Steve's just like, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I was I, yeah, I was going to save that for the spoiler room, but it's not really a spoiler. There's a, there's a fight and that's like, yeah, that's a really important thing that they need to like have a talk about. I was looking forward to that reveal and it happens like mid-fight they're like punching each other and he says that and it just doesn't even register with steve no i don't know thanks what a what a mess this but, is super passive aggressive like bitchy thanks i mean we're talking a lot of shit but i like the tone i like that this was a movie targeted for a young audience that had horror elements in it i i'm glad that those movies exist i'm glad that the goosebumps movie exists Glad that Booth Noth exists. I'm glad that Booth Noth <laughs> exists. <laughs> this movie needed Mr. Bonku. Um, don't they all? You know that raises an interesting question. It has horror elements. I don't want to get too mired again in the is this horror question, but like, does this really belong in the horror category on Netflix? Sure. What, what do you guys not? think? There's a wolf man in it. There's vampires in it. It doesn't elicit dread, but. It, it, oh, it definitely the Wolfman was hilarious too. He looks like a fucking baboon. He doesn't look like a wolf. He looks primate like. This movie should have yeah, taught you head. not this movie should have taught you not that to make fun like of monkey. people for their appearance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Including Wolfman. Yes. No, I'm not making fun of his appearance. I'm making fun of the fucking whoever designed him and thought that was what a wolfman looked like. Well, I was okay, so I was thinking of this film in terms of like like kids or like young adult or like teen movies in reference to the monster squad, which actually I do think may, mm. like I would call the monster squad. I would put it in the horror category simply because it does like fully embrace the horror tropes. And there is some kind of excitement and dread in certain scenes. Also, I think the wolf man scene was a callback. There's to the a wolf joke. Man's got yeah, there's yeah. a joke about the wolf man's balls in this movie. Yeah. I mean, it has to be. Yeah, it has to be a monster squad reference. If not, that's bizarre. Do you know what we're talking about? No, I haven't seen Monster Squad, but that's okay. Monster Squad has a famous line not where, okay. a kid goes, <laughs> where a kid says, Wolfman's got nards. Nads? Nards? I think it's uh, nards. nards. Nards, yeah. yeah. And also, Dracula calls a six-year-old girl a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Dracula played part. by uh, Tom Noonan, right? Yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. Wait, no, Tom Noonan is Frankenstein. Oh, that's right. Okay. Somebody sweet plays Dracula, though. I don't know. We're going down a rabbit hole on this one. I'm just trying to pull out positive things I liked about the movie. Good Wolf, for you. Wolfman's so balls were great. Well, <laughs> should we go to the spoiler room, guys? Yeah, I don't know what else to say before we get into that. But All right. Even though I feel like we've already like overreached and gotten into quite a bit of it. Well, uh, we'll, we'll get into some more uh, plot synopsis and, and, t- and discuss the ending of this movie. Uh, but first, uh, it's time to... 
say uh, whether you view it, skew it, or screw it. Uh, Stephen, what do you think? <laughs> what do you think I'm going to say? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're going to say screw it. I'm going to say screw it. Um, I mean, I, I could see a version of this movie that was enjoyable, like the kind of movie I would want to just like get stoned with a couple of friends and watch, but... It's it's lifeless. It's way too long. It's almost two hours. Mm-hmm. It sets up way too much with almost no payoff. I do feel like it's one of the most like movie-like looking movies we've seen in a while, but it still feels cheap and made for TV in a lot of places. A lot of wasted talent. I wouldn't even say wasted potential because I think what it strives to be is something I'm not totally down with. I don't need alternate versions of vampire mythology in my life. No. Um, yeah, screw it. Patrick? This is hard for me because, uh, I mean, it's it's a screw it. But also, it's unique in that I guess it didn't offend me as much as most movies that I would give a screw it to. I think that's because I feel like it actually succeeds at what it sets out to do. Like, I feel if you are a, you know, 13-year-old, whatever fan, whatever age-old fan of this series and you watch this movie, you're, I, my sense is that you're probably going to be pretty pleased with the way it's been translated into the screen and the way huh. you as a fan have been catered to. That's my sense. I feel otherwise... like the fans deserve a better quality movie, though. And also, like I said, I've heard the books are really dark, and this movie graphs like an oddball sense of humor onto it that the fans maybe weren't pleased with. Enough so maybe. that not enough of them came out to see it to boost the box office enough for yeah, a sequel. Yeah, I, I can't say the movie set out to do what it intended because they didn't make a second one. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. this movie's so obviously swinging for that franchise. Is that a merit to set out to be a disappointment and achieve it? <laughs> I well that's not that's not what they set out to do. All right, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I I don't know. I I guess I just it's it's not that offensive. It's not an offensive film to me. I don't know. I'm just trying to put my finger on what it is exactly. It's not terrible. It's just I can't I can't recommend anyone spend the time with it. It's in the middle place. It's yeah, it's in the yeah, exactly. It's in the medium place with Mindy St. Clair. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm having trouble crystallizing what exactly I have to say about this. So, Chris, what do you what do you say? I I thought I was going to give this a cue it, but I don't think I can. I think I have to give it a screw it. And that's not to say no one should watch it. There's a lot of stuff I liked about it. It's well made. There's some interesting drama. Like I said, this thing with the guy's friend. Lots of potential in that story. There were some storylines interested in me. There was some humor. I laughed out loud several times. John C. Riley might not be doing his best work, but I thought he was fun enough to watch. But it just really gets bogged down with this heavy-handed world-building franchise swinging stuff, and it's not fun. It's very dry for long stretches. If this were just, like, some kid learning how to be a vampire under the tutelage of John C. Riley and Selma Hayek as the crazy fortune teller, view it. But that's not at all what we get, so screw yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, that's a yeah classic case of that sounds like a pretty interesting movie to me, actually. Yeah. I mean, especially because Selma Hayek is hilarious, vivacious, and fun in the like two scenes that she's actually in. And you give John C. Riley some license to actually cut loose and be John C. Riley and focus the movie on that shit. Sure, let's go. Yeah. 
so it's 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 really frustrating for me to give this a screw it because I wanted to like it. I kind of did like it while I was watching it, but it just missed the mark. It's not the Cirque du Freak movie we deserve. <laughs> There's so much good stuff in here. That's that's why I'm frustrated. There's enough good stuff that I don't want to throw that in the garbage, but yeah. it just well, undermines is, itself. This is what happens when the team behind American Pie makes a young adult adaptation. <laughs> I've never seen American Pie, but it's a classic, so... Paul Weitz, who directed this, has done a bunch of odd things as well. He directed the Golden Compass adaptation, which also does not have a great reputation. No. I don't know if anyone's Isn't seen that. Another, another film that was supposed to have two sequels. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah he's please. had a weird career. I don't know exactly. I, I want to know what makes that dude tick or what projects he seeks out exactly. Just make a good movie. The franchise will come later. And that's, that's the irony, because we know this, because we have movies like A Quiet Place that are very one and done. That's the end of the story, and people love it, so they're like, oh, can we uh, make two more Quiet Place movies? But there's also the Lord of the Rings of it all, where like we know that there are going to be three movies because there's three books. Jackson probably would have made nine movies if he could have, but he was able to secure funding for all three in set release dates from the start. Mm-hmm. So, like, we know the first film isn't going to be fully resolved, but it's resolved enough in that, like, we've gone on, like, the first leg of the journey with these characters and we care about them enough that we want to see more and we know that there will be more. That's another route to take, too. But, like, to just make this movie almost like as, like, a franchise starter on spec is totally insane to me. <laughs> Paul White's also the Oscar-nominated or Oscar-winning writer of About a Boy. Oh, Weird guy. baby Nicholas Holt. I should watch that one again. And this movie's about two boys, but not twice as good. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we can go uh, flit over to the spoiler room. <laughs> I think I might want to hit the pine first. <laughs> the spoiler <laughs> circ can can hit the point. Hit the pine afterwards. Got some speakers in there. <laughs> cup holder too oh geez all right well uh you know if you want to make your own decisions about Cirque du Freak and you don't want to have the the in the riveting climax spoiled for you um <laughs> go check it out and otherwise we'll be back in a few seconds we're gonna spoil everything Yeah, like one of the first things I texted you about this is that Red Right Hand is in this movie during a. Um, the, what are they doing? They're in a graveyard. They're yeah, digging John up. John C. Riley is digging up. Um, fucking Darren. Darren. Yeah. Also, we keep calling him John C. Riley because his re- actual name is so weird. It's so unmemorable. It's Krepsley. like a two hundred year old vampire name. It's just hard to get your tongue around. Crepsley. The entire movie, I was like, "What are they saying? What's oh, his hey, fucking name?" We're back. We're back. We're back in the spoiler oh, yeah, room. Hey, we're back. By the way. We're in the spoiler circle. We didn't talk about the the opening of this movie, which I actually thought was like kind of a cool way to begin a movie. Our oh, protagonist yeah. is in a coffin Fine. playing a Game Boy or whatever, or playing I'll his play phone. a game on his phone. Whatever the kids <laughs> and, play, and it's like a great immediate res setup. Like, why the fuck is he alive in a coffin with his family weeping above? I want to find out what happened to Perfect. him. How did he wind up here? Perfect. View it. That would have been a view at movie if that that had been it. The cell phone's interesting <laughs> it's that because forty five seconds. No, but if like if like the movie was about like a, I don't know like a, like a Harold and like a Harold from Harold and Maude type character who's like constantly faking his death to like escape his shitty parents and mm. his terrible fate. You know the whole college job family thing. Yeah, the that have been cool. Cell phone was interesting to me because there's only 
two moments in this movie where cell phones come into play at all. There's him with the gag where he's playing with it on his in the casket, and then there's a part where he's like trying to call somebody, and John C. Riley takes the phone. And he's like, "Vampires don't use cell phones," and like, oh, yeah, know, that was funny. Stomps yeah, it. Out. It's that like was a, genuinely it's like a, funny. It's like a Bailey School Kids uh, title. That was a Vampire really studies. great moment. Yeah, uh, but other than that. This movie kind of has a timeless aesthetic. It kind of reminded me of Christine and how we were talking about how it's the wardrobes are weird and it has, it's kind of like a 50s, 80s fusion, Old West sort of thing through the movie. This movie, like, everyone's kind of dressed like it's a, in there in the 80s or something. And the classroom has, like, green chalkboards, which you don't see in schools anymore in the modern age. I was like, is this like a covert period piece? There's really no hallmarks of the modern world in this movie. Nobody uses Google. Nobody Googles vampire. Um, True. But then they put the cell phone in it and it kind of ruins it. Yeah, and like uh, uh, Steve like actually reads physical books. He's got a book about vampires, and that's how he recognizes right. John C. Riley. Right. Uh-huh. And when right. I was a kid, I had books about vampires, Me and too. I liked that. Werewolves you know? and all that. He shit. goes to the page. He's like, "Oh, look, there's Krebsley. He was a vampire." Blah 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 blah. Instead it of just like, pulling it up on his phone, right? Or Wikipedia, you know, looking at the yeah. It was a nice touch. Yeah. I like it. Books. Books are good. I mean, that's kind of the theme of this movie. Books are good, which brings me to the thing I fucking hated the most about this movie. Are we ready oh, to get I into thought, that? I thought or? you were going to talk about uh, Marie Kondo for a second. No. Do How we, many books are we allowed to have? Have we figured that out yet? As many as, as you want. Okay. If you feel bad about getting rid of your books, you don't do as it. As long as they spark joy. We I guess can we, we can talk about this because it's on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, I haven't watched okay. it. I okay. I like know the basic concept, the sparks joy shit, and I have cleaned my entire house in the past like week or two, semi inspired by the fact that the Marie Kondo thing is a thing and that a bunch of people I know are doing it. But I haven't watched the show, I haven't read her book or books, and I don't plan to. Steven, I'm glad you, you kept all my DVDs. <laughs> I got rid of a couple because they were like that fucking the one format where it's like there's a black rectangle around everything. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know how that happens, but oh, oh, oh! You mean like the actual? Form. I thought you meant like the ones that I've gotten from like video stores. I thought you were talking about the no, case. no, the okay. picture on the TV. Like, what do you call that? Why full does that screen. happen? Or not full screen? Full but screen? no, I know what you mean. Where it's like really tiny in the middle of the screen. Like it's not formatted for yeah. widescreen TVs. Like you have to blow it up. Yeah, it's it's letterbox. Yeah. Instead of a sixteen nine picture, they're giving you a four three TV picture with a letterbox sixteen nine image in front of it, or a two forty by one, whatever the hell format your movie's in. That's the problem with the Abyss because we need the Abyss on Blu-ray because the only DVD of it is like that. No one wants to watch that shit. How do, I, how do I tell in advance if that's going to happen with the DVD? Because I want to get rid of all the ones that have that. I don't, don't know if you watch can. old DVDs. Like I tried to watch Life Force like that, and it was just this tiny image in the middle of my screen, like I don't yeah. know, like twelve by eighteen on my widescreen TV. I'm like, what the fuck? I mean, and I, I have, couldn't blow it up either. Yeah, I have settings on my TV where I can actually blow it up, but then it looks even more shit than yeah. a DVD usually does. Yeah. All right. Well, welcome well, to just get DVD rid of your chat. DVDs and 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 buy blue. Ah, uh, yeah, but that costs money. Yeah. Steve and I were both just like when you were talking about that, just I eye, eyeballing everything like, what's you changed? own. Like, like I was like, all this shit sparks joy for David's Patrick. David's still here. Bruce is still here. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. That shit sparks joy. But we're getting way OT at this point. Do we have anything to spoil before I get to the part that pissed me the fuck off? No. I'm just going to go, go for, for it. it. We'll, we'll come we'll, back to it. We'll fill in so, gaps if we need to. So basically, you already know everything that there's to know about this movie. There's no real interesting subplots, really. He just kind of hangs out at the circus befriending everybody. There's a little bit of a romantic subplot with the monkey girl, uh, who is a completely normal girl 
who just has a tail that we almost never see because it's coiled up in her pants. And, you know, I appreciated about that character that she looked like a normal person. She didn't look like a fucking Hollywood-ass actress. She just looked like a normal girl. Sure. I appreciated that. She was still... Is this movie saying that anything less than a gorgeous Hollywood actress is considered a freak? I'm sorry, what, what was the question? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would have liked to see him fall in love with someone who was, like, more freaky. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, like the fucking le- wolf like man. Steve? I bet Steve's freaky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> that would be freaky. Uh, so, yeah, about Steve. About the best friend. Because we, the whole movie's been setting up this titan conflict between Darren... Clash of the Titans. Taren, Darren, our hero, the half-vampire who only became a half-vampire to save his best friend's life. Thanks. And then fell out with him. <laughs> and then Steve who went down the dark path became an evil vampire and the two of them are going to create are going to spark the war that's going to consume the earth with vampire hellfire i just want to know you you've like referenced this sort of conflict between the multiple times now and this did not register with me as such a high drama as it did for you and what's crazy to me about this is like i'm imagining and like we see pictures from like old vampire textbooks or whatever the fuck they are Mm -hmm. (laughs) about like what that conflict looks like and i'm imagining my mind like maybe we're gonna see a glimpse of that this movie feels so small and so cheap yeah like i don't know how i can't imagine like the Peter Jackson, like, Battle of Minas Tirith mm-hmm. battle that they're talking about being made with a budget like this. Well, no, it was going to be made with the budget that they would give to Cirque du Freak 2 to Cirque du Freak. It would be <laughs> such, such a leap forward to have, a, like, to take these characters and put them on that scale, though. At least with, like, Fellowship of the Ring, it sets up, like, the large-scale shit in the first couple of scenes. Then we scale it back and build back yeah. up to it. So we know that we'll be convinced when we finally get there. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't happen in the books. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, in this movie, the biggest conflict that we get is four people, like, two separate duels happening with two different sets of dudes beating the shit out of each other in a fucking movie theater yeah there's never more than 20 people in a room and we're talking about a battle of thousands of vampires and vampanese yeah but i mean i'm even talking about like the final conflict in this is literally just four people oh yeah not even i mean they could have even they could have had like six vampire soldiers and have like the cirque du freak you know weaponized and called up and and fighting you could have the little uh you know you have all those little characters that we like doing the their jealous. shit in, yeah. a, in, a, in a melee. You could have yeah. the teeth girl biting vampires on the neck. Yeah, and this would be fucking like sweet. Like X-Men yeah. shit. Yeah, X-Men that's what, shit. That's what this group of misfits yeah. reminded me most oh, of yeah. was X-Men. But it, it's, it's led by Ken... Watanabe, Watanabe, or Watanabe. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. What oh, the so Chris said it correctly. No, Chris keeps dropping Ken, his syllable. Ken Watanabe. Um, he, he makes a big deal about how. The Cirque is neutral in all conflicts. So, yeah. you know, whatever. I don't know. Wait, what What made him a freak other than his, like, tall stature and weird well, his head? his head is kind of weird. Yeah, he was tall yeah. as hell and his head was funny. Yeah, I think, I think he's supposed to be, like, seven feet tall or something like that. He's That's not even that freak. There are real humans who are seven feet tall. Well, they should be in a freak show. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, somebody tell Peter Mayhew. <laughs> so I just want to f- throw in the final detail of like who's actually involved in this final battle, because we haven't even said. The final battle is Darren v. Steve, Dawn of whatever. Dawn of... 
I Whatever. don't have anything. And Krepsley, John C. Riley, V, a character who we haven't even talked about yet because you don't know who the fuck he is. When we got to this battle, I didn't know who the fuck that character was. What's his name? Merlot? Mur- I don't know. Tom? He's the enforcer. Merlo? He's the enforcer for the Vam Pennies. He, he shows up. They have like two fights throughout the movie. Yeah, he somehow became important at the very last moment. And I was like, I, who is this? Why do I give a fuck? No, you don't give a fuck. So tell us what pissed you so off. So here's what pissed me off. We finally have Darren and Steve. Darren doesn't even fucking know that Steve's a vampire. He finds out at this moment, Steve and the bad guys have kidnapped Darren's whole family, who he's already made clear he doesn't give one fuck about, so I don't know why that's a plot point. And he's kidnapped cute little monkey girl who we care about because they had literally like one conversation in like a coat room. And I'd forgotten about her until they're reunited. Yeah. I'm like, this is it. Darren v. Steve. Let's do this thing. A melee ensues. They're fighting. Blah, 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 blah. Steve tries to make a deal with Darren to come to the dark side. He says, hell no. They're fighting. The fight reaches a fever pitch. And Mr. Tiny, this fixer that we've been talking about, who's been pulling the strings the whole time and has ambiguous magical powers, freezes the fight mid-fight uh-huh. yeah. with magic and says, literally, no, it's not time for you two to fight yet. It's all written in a book. It's all written in a book. You read books, don't you? It was like the movie's literally fucking trolling us, saying this conflict that you've been curious about, the whole movie, we're not going to show it to you because it doesn't happen now in the books and go read the Cirque du Freak books by Darren Shan. Shan. Oh, I didn't even think about it that way. Yeah. It's, it's like yeah. a marketing strategy. See, I was. I know you were pissed off and I fully understand why. I was relieved because I knew this thing's about over. We've got like three minutes left. They're going to wrap it up and I never have to think about it again. Well, <laughs> until tonight. Well, to me, that's that's what I'm talking about when I say that I feel like if you are the prototypical 12-year-old or 13-year-old fan of these books, that's the moment where you're like, oh, yeah, I do know what happens. And you feel like you're, it's being, be so you're sweet. being spoken to in that moment. That's what I mean when I say I feel like it's it's serving its purpose it's serving its like target audience there's probably some eight-year-old in the theater who got really pissed when they started to fight and he was like no it doesn't happen till the third book exactly yeah. and then yeah yeah that's what i'm saying well i will say uh i read amy nicholson's review <laughs> i love the this. eight-year-old voice <laughs> no it doesn't happen till the third it's book. about as good as your 10-year-old voice <laughs> Well, a lot happens between the ages of 8 and 10. Amy Nicholson's <laughs> review, I, I've just become a fan of her because she has a podcast with Paul Shear now, Unspooled, oh. where they're going through the AFI 100. Um, so I get excited when I see she has something around tomatoes. She said she saw the film with like a crowd of supposed fans of the books who were similarly underwhelmed by the oh. film. So, yeah, I don't think it really spoke to the fans at the level that we're hypothesizing it might have. That makes me sad. Those poor bratty eight-year-olds. The only other thing to spoil, I guess, is the romantic subplot with Monkey Girl, because that takes some uncomfortable turns for me. Oh, yeah. That's when Steve was talking about eroticism, when they when they make out at the end, and like and her she monkey gets the tail like, unfurls <laughs> and starts like kind of flapping you know around in the wind. If you got your mind in the fucking gutter, it's a boner, but I read it as like the traditional romance film where she's popping her knee, you know, behind the kiss. Popping a leg. Watch Princess Diaries. They talk all about that. There's something about the way it kind of worms its way out of her skirt and creeps up in the air, though, that was very phallic to me. It's very phallic. It arises from her 
nether regions. I mean, whatever. I, I understand what you're saying. I'm just saying, maybe it was a little more innocent than that. I don't know. I doubt it. I mean, the movie's called Cirque du Freak, and it's from the guy who directed American Pie. Like, I'm sure he wanted to inject a little bit of kink into it, and he could. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Come on, you're giving it way too much credit. Right. wanted to inject a you're little right. bit of kink into it. You're right. Didn't, didn't know it was that kind of freak, but that makes some sense. <laughs> Damn. I'm thinking about this movie in a whole new light. Um, yeah, she's held hostage. It's like the end of Batman Forever when the Riddler has Nicole Kidman and Robin in a fucking tank. <laughs> yeah, they're all fucking hanging from ropes over yep. the stage that yep. are like looped around their chests. Apparently, not Darren's really in family. any peril because they're over the stage, but like it's not like they're going to be hanged or fall to their death. No, they're, they're not like, hanging hey. by the neck. I was just thinking about how uncomfortable that was for some of those actors. Yeah, and Monkey Girl escapes because she has a prehensile tail that can undo the knots, so she gets out. Mm-hmm. And then Darren finds her, and he's like, I'm weak, I'm not strong enough to fight Steve. And she's like, well, you need to drink my blood. And there's this awkward scene where, like, it's like a... It clearly has sexual undertones, if not overtones, because she's like bears her shoulder for him and he's like no i can't lose it now or something like that and then he explains that he means like his non his one rule is to not drink human blood because he's he thinks that keeps him human does he drink the blood yeah it's then he does it anyway yeah i don't know well yeah because she tells him being human isn't about what you are it's, it's about, about who you who, are who you oh are, yeah that's the moral of the movie but yeah, isn't who you are also what you are dude i don't know it's, it was awkward for me because that girl first i mean wasn't their relationship wasn't very well established it's like one or two conversations before that well the kid's fucking shallow we know this from the beginning of the movie <laughs> i felt it was a very believable romance sure <laughs> And then, I don't know. I I would have liked to have seen more as well. But this movie was already almost two hours long. I was uncomfortable because she looks way too young for me to be comfortable watching, like, overtly, like, sexual kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she, she, I don't know, who knows how old she was when she filmed this, but she looks like... 17 or something. She looks younger than that. 16. 15. Well, yeah. 15. Like, our lead, Darren, 13. looks like he's like 15 or 12. 16. And there's a scene where it looks like Salma Hayek's drive fucking him in front of an audience. Wait, what? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah Salma Hayek comes on to him, After like... her beard comes out, too. Oh, yeah. Again, I'm going to be thinking about the the queer subtext of this movie for a while. Yeah. I haven't put it all together yet, but I'm developing a thesis. You should write an essay about it. I should. For yeah, bloody disgusting. I, I'm pretty excited about that. Wow. <laughs> so are we are we drafting our dream Cirque du Freak? Yeah. So we came up with a little bit of an idea during the intermission where we're going to build our own Cirque du Freaks or Cirques du Freak. I don't know what the plural is. We're going to use freaky characters from the every horror movie on netflix catalog all the movies we've watched for this show and we're gonna just do it like a draft and then we'll put it online and y'all can vote on which of us made the freakiest cirque like we're each gonna like make our own cirque like entirely oh it's just it's gonna be a draft we're we're making teams we're building teams so we could theoretically do repeats no 
It's like a draft. Oh god, you guys don't. We know don't know what a fucking draft. You guys don't know is. anything about sports. No. I'm on this fucking podcast. Do <laughs> you think I know anything about sports? <laughs> no. The all every character in the movies we watched are in the draft pool, but they can only go to one team. So we go around and you pick one oh. and you claim it for your oh, team. Okay. For your okay, circ, okay, if you will. Okay. Yeah. So for, like we first need to have a list of all the possible freaks. No, you don't. Oh. Because I sure as hell don't know what kind of freaks. I'm just there looking are. at the list of movies we watched. With with the first pick, I don't know. With Steven's idea, we'll give him the first pick in the every horror movie on Netflix. Cirque du Freak draft. Okay. Number one pick. Malbolgia. Oh yes. <laughs> Malbolgia. God damn. CGI you. freak. Yes. We have to specify what kind of freak it is. <laughs> CGI freak. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess we don't necessarily have to, but. So that's uh, that's the devil from Spawn, we should mm-hmm. say, because not everyone listens to every episode. Yeah, the nah. shitty looking Shame CG devil from Spawn. Right. We'll probably post a picture on Instagram. All right, do you have one or, or should I go next? I'm ready. I'm gonna I'm gonna start with fucking I for, I think this is his name. Fucking Baba from Baskin. Is oh yeah, or, or, or the actor's name was Mehmet, but yeah. I know who you're talking I think, about. I think the character's name was Baba, the high priest in Baskin. Yeah, what a freak! Just an absolute freak. Yeah, what a freak! That's a good one. All right, with the with the third pick in the draft, I'm gonna pick Art the Clown. Yes, <laughs> yes. the terrifier. Great Gotta pick. have a clown in any good freak show. Gerald. Video surveillance freak. Oh, okay. That's your that's the first pick of the second round of the draft. All right, Steven. Gerald. Gerald right. from 13 Cameras and 14 Cameras. We haven't watched that one yet. Okay. What do you got, Patrick? Tough choice, man. I'm, I'm really I'm struggling between a couple right now, but I think I'm going to go ahead with the unnamed creature from The Ritual. Okay. Oh, I'm so jealous. Not a bad one. Monstrous moose-like thing with a Jawa for a head. Moose freak. Moose, moose freak. freak. Hell yeah. All right. I'm gonna go with fucked up baby freak from Anti Birth. Oh yeah, I was thinking about that one. Good choice. Yeah, yeah you got to it before I could. Okay. The Moonlight Man. Oh, Ooh. the Moonlight Man, the perfect yes. freak from uh, Gerald's game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with his little box of uh, thingamajigs. Yeah, you don't want to see him standing in your corner at night. You sure don't. No. Jesus. All right, Patrick, your, your third pick. I'm going to go with the titular character from It Follows. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. The creature. That freak. That's a freak. Yeah, I'm gonna. That's a freak for sure. It is in my cirque for sure. All right. Uh, Chris, your third round pick. Yeah. All right. My third round pick is. Maybe we should go for five. I have two more that I really want to draft. I've only got one. I could come up with. All two. right. We can go Let's to do five. five. We can go to five. I'll pick uh, Krampus from A Christmas Horror Story. Oh, right. I was thinking about that. All right. Right. I like little that. winter freak. <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh, you know there are, there are multiple in this film, but I'm going to go with the titular avalanche shark, ghost okay. shark freak. Mm. Okay, mm. good pick. Good pick. <laughs> good pick. I was thinking about that, and I'm gonna follow in that spirit by making my fourth round pick the three headed shark oh, from no. Three Headed Shark. Which is freakier? You decide. <laughs> I see. I feel like the three headed shark would fucking kick the avalanche shark's ass because an avalanche shark is a force to be reckoned with, but it still only has one fucking head. 
Okay, guys, I'm going to pick with my fourth pick, right? Yes. Prince Veer from 1920 London, who was possessed, then saved by Jay. I don't even remember Prince Veer. He was the the guy, the, the husband who was, like, chained to the bed and, like, eating meat in the window and shit. Oh, in, like, Jay's introductory scene. No, 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 no. No, he's like the guy that Jay is trying to exercise after Jay possessed him. Oh, all right, all right. Damn, you forgot already. Yeah. All right. Sorry, well, Jay. That's what I'm talking about. Apologies to Jay. All right, round five. I'm going with the the cringe worthily named the Canker Man from Before I Wake. Oh no, yes. the Canker Man, the, uh, made of butterflies and bad puns freak oh yes. good good pick good pick i'm torn i'm torn with my final pick here i was kind of thinking about throwing christine on my team um but i just i gotta kind of bring it all back home to spawn because there's so many fucking freaks in that movie I'm... please don't say clown martin shield <laughs> <laughs> no no but spawn on my team spawn's spawn. freaky as hell oh, not as freaky as clown he's but okay. freaky you can get freaky with those chains <laughs> you could one could chris your final pick all right the final pick in the 2019 amon freak draft <laughs> is you know what i'm gonna keep it simple i'm gonna pick jason Okay. Jason X. Specifically from Jason X. New yeah. Jason. New New Jason. Yeah. Mega Jason. Sicko, Sicko mask Jason. Sicko mode Jason. Okay. Thank you. All That's right. a good one. All right. Good one. Good little cirque. I'm, I'm comfortable taking this, this show on the road. All right. So review. Were you taking notes on this? Chris? No. Oh, okay. I don't have my Apple Pencil. I can't oh, take okay. notes. I, I wanted to review like who each of our cirques were, but we can't do that. That's okay. So, so what are we doing with right. it from here? We're, we're going to... We're gonna, we're gonna, Post these lists online, and people can vote. Who had the sickest, freakiest team? We should create the sickest Cirque. We should create a Photoshop. Yeah, of each of each team. Sure. Yeah, we'll do it. Yeah. You know something else I want to talk about? I got the new Fangoria a couple of weeks ago. I'm still kind of scrolling through it, but you guys have not gotten on the Joe Bob Briggs train yet, have you? No, oh. I'm sorry. You remind us every episode. But it's it really, really worth your time. I need, I don't know anybody else I can talk to about this. The man's amazing. He's on the cover. There's two articles about him. Again, this is a classy fucking magazine. I feel like it's even improved in quality and content with this this most recent issue. This is expensive. I saw it at Vault of Midnight the other day, and it was like twenty dollars or it's something. It's nineteen ninety. Uh, I'm sorry. It's nineteen seventy eight because that's the year the first <laughs> issue came out. Yeah. It's worth it, because, I mean, I still haven't finished the first issue. Like, there's so much in there, and it's such high quality. Granted, I have coffee stains on the cover of the new issue already, but it's definitely something I'm going to keep around as a reference and revisit for the rest of my life. I flipped through it, and they show you in detail how to make yourself up to make it look like the side of your face has been blown off yeah. by a shotgun, and that's what I'm really expecting out of you, Steven. I want you to show up next time and us just be like, fuck, what happened to I'm you? I'm thinking about it. Shit's complicated. Yeah. I mean, they're... Like most basic recipes, I'm like, oh, I don't want to buy that extra spice that I'm only going to use for this one thing. You've got to have all kinds of like different gums and paints and yeah, 
wax and all kinds of shit that i i don't know it's I not, could, it's, you don't just have it sitting around the kitchen well i'm not going to do it for the podcast this is not a visual medium I mean, I but i might show up at a party with my face blown off our the, instagram is a visual media yeah he, he's doing the instagram he needs content yeah good stuff everybody i think that's about it for this week uh would this you like, freak oh would you like to know what we're watching next time Yes, oh, please. Because yeah. you looked it up before, and your your reaction was interesting. I didn't tell you, but we're watching... Yeah, you didn't tell us what it was. Yep. You were just like, oh. We're watching the Netflix original, Ooh. Oh. Clinical. Uh-huh. Never, Never heard, heard of it. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it on the list. I don't know what it's about. I think it's about like an asylum or, or a crazy person. Mm-hmm. Clinical. Any other notes? Are there like notable actors? Or I don't know. As you know, I try not to go into these movies knowing anything about them. So I can't tell you. You can look it up. You can Google and it. And we also, for some reason, like try to go into each episode without looking up on our own what we're going to be watching next. We're always just like, Chris, what are we watching? We rely exclusively on you. I appreciate your trust in me. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, check us out. You can find us online. Leave us a little message. You can troll us. Maybe we'll troll you back. Tweet well, us. Insta us. You know, you know the business. We're always uh, just a mouse click away on the World Wide Web. But we'll see you in two weeks. We'll do clinical. So until then, for every horror movie on Netflix, I'm Chris. I'm Patrick. I'm Steve. And remember, it's not about what you are. It's about who you are. <laughs> Tears in my eyes. <laughs> also, college, job, family. College, college job, job, family. family. College, job, family.